Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Welcome in Outkick the Coverage Wednesday edition. I hope you guys are having a fantastic start to your week as we move into the middle part of that week. Interesting data out there that I want to hit you with to start today's show. You're not hearing talk of this very many places because I think there's been word go out, we need to keep this quiet. But the NFL ratings are tanking this year. In particular, the NFL regular season was down nearly 10%. The NFL wildcard playoff round was down 13%. The NFL divisional round playoff was down over 16% and over the weekend the NFC and the AFC title game as good as the AFC was was at a nine-year low in terms of total viewership down over 8%. 86.4 million people watched the NFL games featuring the AFC and the NFC teams compared to 94.3 million last year. So 8 million people chose not to watch who watched last year. That's a pretty significant hit. And it's the lowest number in nine years. And if you go look at the best overall numbers during the course of those nine years, we're talking about a decline of around 15% substantially down over 20% off of the best number, which was just four years ago when 107.2 million people watched the NFL. Now, there are lots of theories. 
a lot of people out there don't want to acknowledge that the NFL's bungling of the national anthem controversy and the politicization of the league has actually ended up hitting the league right in the nose and leading to a really substantial hit in the overall brand value of the NFL. Well, the NFL continues to make errors as it makes decisions about how to handle all of these controversies. And it it, it kind of baffles me because I feel like if they brought me in and they said, Clay Travis, we'll take you off the radio, bud. We'll pay you millions of dollars. Just help us avoid making stupid decisions. That's all we need you to do. Come in here and help us avoid making stupid decisions because the NFL is making a stupid decision right now. So I don't know if you paid attention to it, but they made a big deal, NBC did, about how they would cover for the Super Bowl kneeling players. In other words, if people come in and make a decision to kneel before the game for either the Eagles or the Patriots, NBC said, we're going to zoom in on them. We're going to allow them to make their political statement. We're going to cover that as major breaking news, and we're going to take you away from football and allow you to cover that. Well, a veterans group, one of the largest veterans group in the country, decided to put together an ad to demonstrate their political opinion that kneeling during the national anthem was, in their opinion, an affront to the troops, and it ended with a request that players please stand. That's all it said. Please stand at the end of the ad. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but NBC and the NFL reserve the right to review every single commercial that's going to air beforehand on the Super Bowl and decide whether or not it's appropriate to air. So the NFL, interacting with this one of the largest veteran groups out there, told, and, I, and, and this is from Fox Business, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy told Fox the league rejected the Super Bowl ad from the American Veterans Group due to its political nature because it contained the words, please stand. And the official comment from the NFL was this. The Super Bowl game program is designed for fans to commemorate and celebrate the game, players, teams, and the Super Bowl. It's never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement. And I read that and I said, my God, how dumb is the NFL? The players kneeling during the game is a political statement. The American veteran group that wants to run an ad encouraging players to stand for the anthem is a direct response to the player political statement. So if you are going to allow your players to make political statements during the national anthem, How can you then reject an ad from American Veterans Group requesting that players stand and cite as your evidence it's never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement? This is total hypocrisy by the NFL. They're allowing their players to make a statement in uniform on the field during the game, but they won't allow an advertiser to make a statement that's contrary to the player statement during the course of the game? 
How in the world can your perspective be NFL players are allowed to make political statements on the field, but military vets can't respond? This is nonsensical. And it's more evidence of the NFL completely bungling this situation. Again, NFL ratings are down double digits this year. I think there are a lot of people who want to make excuses out there. The reason why they are down, primarily in my mind, is because of the politicization of football. I don't think that football should be politicized. I think the NFL made a tremendous error when they didn't respond to Colin Kaepernick in uniform protesting during a game and say, hey, that's not allowed. We're going to be like the NBA, which has avoided this controversy completely, where every player is required to stand for the national anthem. If you don't want to stand for the national anthem, you can go find another job. We believe it's good for business to stand for the national anthem. You are an employee. You don't have a right to make political statements in your uniform during the three hours when you are actually supposed to show up and represent this team in uniform on the field. That's an easy statement. No one else I can think of in their uniform on the job has the right to make a political statement. Not anyone out there. Not a FedEx driver, not a UPS driver, not a McDonald's employee, not a uh, not an NBA player, not a police officer, not a soldier, not anybody who wears a uniform on the job is not allowed to make political statements that could implicate the overall success or failure of a business. Not one single person who ever wears a uniform is allowed to do that, including, by the way, the NBA. Do you know why Major League Baseball hasn't had an issue with this, why the NHL hasn't had an issue with this, and why the NBA hasn't had an issue with this? Because, frankly, those leagues wouldn't allow their players to hurt their overall business. And some of you out there say, well, they have the First Amendment right to No, they don't. You don't have First Amendment rights to protest in a uniform on the job, period. Nobody does. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Now, if you don't like the idea, we've talked about this before. If you don't like the idea of a player deciding to protest during the national anthem um, and uh, and you think, oh, my God, they deserve a right to, to say this, they can say whatever they want outside of the uniform, outside of the time when they are wearing the uniform and being paid millions of dollars to do it. So I think this is an unbelievable, unbelievable situation. Um, and this is, a, this is just a total mess. And what in the world could the NFL be thinking on making this decision? Um, I, I just think it's a mess. So I want to ask you this question. What would you do? What would you do if you were the NFL, and I'll read uh, from the article itself when we come back from the next break. I'll bring in the crew. Why are you making this decision? And do you agree with me that it is hypocritical to make an argument out there that the players are allowed to make political statements, but other people aren't allowed to react? And by the way, this idea that the NFL is putting out there, this idea that the NFL in some way is is managing in this situation to not be political is, to me, crazy. Because if you remember last year's ads during the Super Bowl, they were insanely political. All these companies got into social justice warriordom, and they all put on their left-wing commercials. I remember, like, 84 Lumbers, like, we believe in illegal immigration, basically. Like, all this ridiculous stuff. When you're watching, you're like, I don't care about these brands. Just entertain me. Make me laugh. It's the Super Bowl. 
I don't want politics mixed with football. And certainly they've allowed a lot of entertainers to come out and perform and make aggressive political statements during the course of this overall process. So I don't understand why they would reject this ad um, and why they would shoot it down because, again, it contained the words, please stand, and the NFL is going to argue that it's too political in nature. And it seems to me that that is, uh, that is ridiculous. Um, now, they have the ad. It's going to, and I misspoke a little bit, not an ad that was going to air on television. It was a proposed ad which would have been printed in the official Super Bowl program, and it featured a color guard holding the American flag with a call to donate to American veterans. Uh, the NFL told Fox News they objected to the words, please stand, due to its political nature. And that, to me, again, is crazy. Um, and the statement is, the Super Bowl game program is designed for fans to commemorate and celebrate the game, players, teams, and the Super Bowl. Never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement. Um, and I, I think that's crazy. Again, it's wild to me that you would allow players to make political statements during the game and then not allow these American veterans to respond in kind and request that players stand. We'll talk about that. Is that absolutely ridiculous, the decision by the NFL when it comes to rejecting this ad? I'm curious what your reactions are. I'll put up a poll question and also allow you to react to that. We've got a loaded show if you want to know what the lineup is coming today on Wednesday. Next hour, we'll talk with Jeff Schwartz. We'll talk about the AFC and the NFC title games. We'll talk about what he saw. What does he see in the breakdown of the Patriots against the Eagles? Hour three, we'll talk to my guy, John Campbell, from uh, uh, Odd Shark, and we will be prepared to uh, to break down everything surrounding the gambling of the NFL's Super Bowl. Obviously, there's lots of interesting prop bets out there. We'll also talk about a couple of other uh, details. Heisman Trophy odds are out, and uh, and those are actually a little bit of fun to talk about. But I want to take your calls, 877-996-6369. You can check out my Twitter feed. You can see the ad that was put up, which is, to me, completely not controversial, an ad that would have run during the NFL uh, Super Bowl program inside of it, an ad of an American flag just saying, please stand, as a response to the fact that many players have chosen not to stand. And the NFL, I think, has totally bungled this issue. Take the ad. Most people wouldn't even have recognized the ad. They wouldn't have paid attention to it. Instead, it has garnered infinitely more attention than if they had just allowed the ad to occur. And do you agree with me? Is it hypocritical for the NFL to allow players to make political statements during the game while in uniform on the job and then argue that responding to those statements is too political? To me, that's the very definition of hypocrisy. We'll bring in the crew again. Uh, you can check out uh, this ad. You can check it out on my Twitter feed at Clay Travis. We'll take your calls, 877 I am, as always, Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and we'll take your calls and react more on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now, I don't want to claim that I'm a genius. Might statistically be true that I'm a genius, but I'm not the kind of guy who brags or draws attention to himself. 
And so uh, when I saw this story, another detail that deserves to be mentioned here is that this veterans organization, which raises money for veterans through these ads, has previously run the same ads in NHL and NBA programs. So the NHL and the NBA both see the same ad and have no issue with it. And then the NFL, which is so freaking incompetent and needs somebody who actually has common sense working in the league office, rejects this. It's one of the dumbest decisions I have seen a league make in a long time. And even their explanation for why they didn't allow it, that it was too political, is too insanely dumb. Now, it's rare that we have this situation. But I put up the poll question. Do you agree with the NFL's decision to ban a Super Bowl ad from an American veterans group requesting that players please stand for the national anthem? 87% of you disagree with the NFL decision. This was going to run in the game program, which is like the magazine that they sell in the side the stadium that hardly anybody buys in the grand scheme of things and that the vast majority of people don't even pay attention to the ads. It's more of just a commemorative uh, device. And the NHL and the NBA have seen these things and said, we have no issues. It's an American veterans organization. We understand that they would want, as a group, for people to stand for the national anthem, and it's designed to raise money for their American veterans group. Now, you don't have to agree with them, but if you're going to allow players to make political statements and not stand for the national anthem... How can you not allow an American veterans group to respond in kind and request that they stand? Now, I'm people out there say, well, why do you make this such a big deal? That would be one criticism. Well, I'm a First Amendment absolutist, so I think the cure for speech is always more speech. I believe in the marketplace of ideas. And so when someone is out there trying to stifle that marketplace of ideas, when you allow one side of speech, i.e. left-wing speech, and you don't allow a response to that speech, I think that's unfair. I think you're stifling political discourse. If I were in charge here, the moment that Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I would have fined him, and I would have ended this controversy two years ago. I would have said, look, if you want to take a knee, here's my solution. I've floated the Travis Compromise for a long time. If you take a knee during the National Anthem, or you won't come out on the field for the National Anthem, and you are an NFL player or coach, or executive, or anybody else who's on the field that the cameras are finding that you decide to take a knee, then you donate half of your paycheck for that week to the wounded veterans, wounded warriors. Boom. That's the result. Or any other American veterans organization. If you feel so strongly that you don't want to stand for the national anthem, that's your right. You can make that decision. But we are going to fine you and take half of your paycheck, and we are going to send it to an American veterans organization. Then you literally have to put your money where your mouth is. You don't have the right as an employee of my company to take a knee in your uniform on the job. Nobody else in America has that right. This is where the NFL has done a bad job getting their message out. No other employee can do this. You couldn't do it if you worked for FedEx. You couldn't do it if you worked for UPS. You couldn't do it if you worked for McDonald's. Couldn't do it if you're a cop. Can't do it if you're a soldier. Couldn't do it if you're an NBA player, NHL player, or Major League Baseball player. They would eventually stop you. Certainly the NBA is the best perfect example because they literally require their players to stand for the National Anthem. 
And as a result, they've avoided all of this controversy. So if you're going to allow players to take an E, I would get take half their game paychecks and send it to an American veterans organization. Now, I think the number of players who would be willing to do that and actually put their money where their mouth is is almost zero. But you would allow it. You'd say, okay, you want to protest, then we're going to take some good to come from this protest. We're going to take half of your paycheck and we're going to send it to the American Veterans Organization. Wounded Warrior, somebody like that. But this decision is just so dumb. It is evidence, I think, of how poorly the NFL and Roger Goodell have responded to this issue. And again, the NFC and the AFC combined to have their ratings drop eight over 8% for the AFC title game, lowest ratings in nine years in terms of the number of viewers. They are down nearly 10% on the regular season, 13% on the wild card playoff round, and 16% on the divisional round. It's a bad decision that is having an impact across the league. Let me bring in the crew, Jason Martin. Is this incredibly stupid or just stupid? It's definitely one of the two because it actually makes a story out of something that wouldn't have been a story. And how do they how do they miss this? Like I, I this is where I say like you need a director of common sense. This has been one of my arguments across the board for teams like I don't understand how there's nobody in the league office who sees that this is going to be an infinitely bigger story than just allowing the ad to go into the program, which frankly probably doesn't even cause a story at all. I don't know. Maybe somebody takes a picture of it and they say, oh, look at the ad in the NFL program, and the NFL just says, hey, we don't agree with every single word that's in every single program of the NFL, but we thought the the veteran organization deserved the right to share their opinion. Boom. Nobody cares. It doesn't become a story at all. How do they blow this? I don't know. I think they're just oversensitive to everything that's gone on. They know, well, the the NBA and the NHL wouldn't have a problem putting it in the program because they don't have the issue. The NFL has the issue, so that makes it, I guess they think that it's almost like if there was an OutKick magazine, you'd put an anti-OutKick ad in there, and you might but it's, actually, but a lot would, of companies if somebody would pays, not. If somebody pays me enough money, and they want to come on the OutKick the Coverage radio show, and the ad wants to be, we hate Clay Travis, we think he's an awful human being, you pay me enough money, you can say anything you want about me. I don't care. I mean, and I don't see it as an anti-NFL ad. I see it as a response to some players that you disagree with. Most players are standing for the National Anthem. So I don't see this as, as an anti-NFL ad at all. I see it as, and by the way, every American veteran doesn't feel the same way but the American veteran organization must feel that this is a good way for them to raise money to be able to support their efforts, right? And I don't begrudge them making that decision either. So I just, when I saw this story, I just thought to myself, how is the NFL so dumb about all of this stuff? How are they consistently making the wrong decision? It would be, I mean, again, we have the poll question up, and sometimes poll questions are slanted. Sometimes I'm surprised by the results. Like, NFL, we have 87% of people who are responding right now. You can go respond to this this poll yourself on my Twitter feed, at Clay Travis, are responding and disagreeing with the decision. You know how hard it is to get 87% of people to disagree with something? Like 90% agreement, nearly 90% agreement in any arena of American life today is almost impossible to find. This is how bad the NFL bungled it. Yes, I mean they did. I mean it, again, this is this is a non-story or a very limited story. 
maybe it picks up a little bit of traction if somebody opens the magazine. And if you're looking at, I'm trying to find any out for the NFL at all or, or anything that makes any sense. And if you are trying to have a commemorative program, you're basically commemorating something in their eyes. I think they're being oversensitive. They think that it's a direct attack on them. I read Marion Polk, the national commander of AMVETS, his statement that he sent to Roger Goodell uh, two days ago. And what he's saying is basically what's happened. The last thing he says in it, he says the NFL's intention to avoid controversy in this instance by suppressing our voice will have the opposite effect, and it will not be taken lightly by the hundreds of thousands of voices that AMVETS represents in service to my fellow veterans, Marion Polk. That's the problem. The problem is now it does become a story, not just on Fox. It's in Yahoo. It's in Forbes. It's in the Wall Street Journal. It's in the New York Times. It's everywhere. And it would not have been. Even if it had gotten some traction, it wouldn't have gotten anywhere near enough. That's why I don't understand. Like, how are they so dumb? How does a multi-billion dollar organization like this not have more intelligent people to tell them how a story like this is going to play? L.A., am I wrong or is this just like more evidence of the NFL being stupid? Well, maybe you could answer one thing first. I don't really understand the magazine ad. It's saying, hashtag, please stand. The players aren't walking around with these programs looking at them. So are they trying to ask the attendees to make sure that they're standing? Because I'm not seeing anyone kneel on the sideline or in the stands right now. So is it hashtag fatigue? Because I'm just, I I don't think it's this huge issue. Yeah, but you can disagree with their position. But the NFL's position that they're not allowing the ad is my issue. Like, I, if you think, okay, I don't agree with the ad for American veterans, right? I well, mean, like, I don't understand the ad. I mean, who, well, the who's, ad is, who's I mean, they kneeling think, in the stands? No, it's an ad for the players to stand. But last weekend, the cameras were firmly on the players, and they had their hands on their hearts. They were all standing. It was close-ups of players singing along. But that's because that's because of the particular teams that have advanced, which is actually an intriguing point which is the more successful teams didn't have guys getting wrapped up in these protests. And the more, uh, typically, if you look at it, the more unsuccessful teams had more guys kneeling. But that's just a function of which teams advanced. I think okay, and that's continue and next that year. and that could be a cool topic, but but that's going to continue next year. That's why I'm saying I don't understand this magazine ad because it's not necessary. Well, but they make the decision, I'm sure, for which ads to put into programs probably the print deadline is long before they know which teams are going to be in the Super Bowl. I know I know for a fact, like, when I did my um, my second book, HarperCollins, my publisher, thought about putting an ad into the University of Tennessee's football program because my book was called On Rocky Top, which is about the University of Tennessee football team. And I think they also looked into it for Dixieland Delight, my first book, for a variety of different uh, teams as well. And when they made the decision, you had to put in the ad like months in advance of the season. Now, I don't know what their print deadline is here for the NFL. The NFL may be able to get these things out, uh, you know, with a shorter turnaround time. But print ads like this in magazines have a long leeway for an advertisement. So I, I think, again, I mean, like this veterans organization just believes that every player should stand for the national anthem. I don't think it's that controversial of an opinion. It's the same opinion that the NBA has. The NHL hasn't stopped it um, from from happening in their programs. Like, I just don't understand. Let me bring in, by the way, open phone lines, 877-996-6369. You can react. Let me bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. 
All right, Clay, let's uh, check last night in the NBA where the game of the night was in San Antonio. The Spurs beat the Cavaliers 114-102. to Now, in the loss, LeBron James had 28 points and in the process became the seventh player and youngest player ever to reach 30,000 points in his career. But Cleveland does lose. That's six losses in their last seven games and 11 losses in their last 15 games. Lakers edged the Celtics 108-107. Boston, the top team in the East, has now lost a season high four in a row. Warriors win again, beating the Knicks 123-112. Golden State's now a league-best 38-10 and on the year. And the Thunder down the Nets 109-108 thanks to a Russell Westbrook layup with three seconds to play. He finished with 32 points. College basketball, number one Villanova rolls over Providence 89-69. We had a couple of battles in the top 25. Number two, Virginia beats up on 18th-ranked Clemson 61-36. And number 12, Oklahoma down number five, Kansas 85-80. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, you're talking about, obviously, the Super Bowl and the serious uh, topic. This one's not so serious involving the Super Bowl. Patriots have chosen to wear their white uniforms for Super Bowl 52. Now, they're 3-0 and in the Super Bowl wearing their white uniforms under Bill Belichick, and 12 of the last 13 winners of the Super Bowl have worn their white jerseys. I don't even know who keeps track of all of those, uh, those storylines, but that's at least uh, good to go on some level. Um, let me go ahead and tell you, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, finding, figuring out which way is easier. Jason Martin, you have the details on when this ad had to be submitted. Well, not necessarily had to be submitted. It, it reached the NFL last Wednesday before the title games, about three, four days before the title games. AMVETS, the, the group in question, submitted it originally to the advertising company, the third-party group that, that sells the space over MLK Jr. weekend. So another week there before, and then it takes a little bit of time to get to the NFL. So that's kind of the timeline. So I guess this whole part where the NFL got involved happened about a week ago now. Yeah, so, I mean, again, you, you have to get – I'm sure there's a deadline for when exactly you're going to put it in. But, I, again, I just think – I look at this situation, and I say it on its most basic level. How has the NFL so been, been so bad at responding to this? And I think it's a big deal because Roger Goodell is going to get his – you know, got his five-year contract extension. And I said this a while ago. David Stern deserves like a $100 million bonus for figuring this thing out before it ever became a controversy. Because the NBA has had a lot of politically active players and coaches. God knows, right? They've said every possible political statement they want. Greg Popovich has come off the top rope on Donald Trump. So has Steve Kerr. Every major NBA star, it feels like, has felt the need to weigh in on politics in the past year. And you know what the impact on the NBA has been? Not that substantial. Now, maybe that's partly because the NBA's fan base leans left and so they don't particularly care but I think it's also because your average fan doesn't care about your average players political opinions as long as they share those political opinions in an appropriate manner and don't distract from the game itself the analogy that I've used here is if uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man and when he's playing Iron Man He does his job to play Iron Man. In other words, when you go in to see that movie, you sit down in the movie theater, and before the movie starts, Iron Man doesn't come out and give you a political statement, right? 
Iron Man, like right before the movie starts, Iron Man doesn't come out and say, hey, uh, let's, uh, let's save the environment. Now, if they want to embed some sort of political message in the movie, whatever, because the movie is designed to be entertaining. So if Iron Man took a knee right before the movie started and said, hey, we've got to save the planet or save like some endangered species, right? Like, let's protect the elephants. You'd be like, wait a minute. Why is Iron Man taking a knee right before the game, right before the movie starts? I just want to. I came here to see a superhero movie. I didn't come here to hear what Iron Man's political opinion was. If Robert Downey Jr. outside of the movie itself tells you a political opinion that he has when he's accepting an Oscar award, everybody just kind of rolls their eyes and says, "Whatever." Actors and actresses have been doing this forever, and it doesn't substantially impact our opinion of them. Well, if LeBron James wants to come out and tell me his political opinions on Instagram or in a post-game news conference, most people just roll their eyes and say, yeah, LeBron can say whatever he wants as long as he's showing up and doing his job. But if LeBron James was taking a knee during the national anthem before the game started, I think the overall position would be different. And so the NFL has so totally bungled this because David Stern looked at this potential controversy. I really think he did. And he said, man, this would be bad for our league. I'm going to implement the rule that every player has to stand for the national anthem. And there hasn't been a single player in the NBA protesting the national anthem. Not one. And as a result, the NBA's business seems to be going fine. People are watching NBA games during the regular season in higher numbers. There's always NBA drama. And the politics, I think, has just kind of disappeared. Whereas, And the NBA took this ad in their program and didn't even think twice about it. They're like, okay. Our guys stand for the National Anthem. Fine. We'll put the ad in. NHL did it. Fine. We'll put the ad in. NFL? They blew it. Roger Goodell, when confronted frequently with two options, consistently picks the bad one. He's just not very good at making decisions. He might be good at making money, but when it comes to protecting the brand of the NFL... I think he consistently makes bad decisions, whether it's the player conduct policy, which has created a total mess for the NFL and led to all these ridiculous investigations like the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. The NFL shouldn't be in the business of conducting player investigations and deciding whether or not guys should be suspended for entirely off-the-field related incidents. The NFL, of all the professional sports leagues, has consistently made stupid decisions which have politicized its sport and its league and have led to collapsing ratings that are costing its television partners hundreds of millions of dollars. Over $500 million has been lost by Disney slash ESPN, by CBS, NBC, and Fox this year because of these collapsing television ratings off what they had budgeted. They're having to cut back on their spending in sports departments because of the NFL ratings collapse. And I think it's just because of the way the NFL's responded. They're so dumb about it. Why are they so dumb? 877-996-6369. I will take your calls to close out hour one. Hour two, we're going to go to Jeff Schwartz. We'll break down the Super Bowl, break down the AFC and the NFC title games from a former player's perspective. Hour three, we're going to make you some money. We're going to help you make decisions about which prop bets to make, uh, which side of the equation to bet on, over, under. Are you on the Eagles? Are you on uh, the 
Patriots, and which way is the line likely to move with my guy John Campbell from Odd Shark. All of that's still to come. Hour one, we'll take your calls next segment, 877-996-6369. Load up the lines. Am I insane or the NFL being run by idiots? This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Snoop Dogg bringing us back. Uh, wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxLayer was recently recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on. Whatever the heck you want this tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com as well. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, a list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage here, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we're talking about this decision by the NFL to not allow an American veterans organization to buy an advertisement in a program. The NFL said as follows, which is laughably absurd, the Super Bowl game program is designed for fans to commemorate and celebrate the game, players, teams, and the Super Bowl. It's never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement. The Super Bowl is oftentimes uh, being used to make political statements of all sorts, which is why this is so ridiculous. Uh, we got a poll question up with 4,000 of you voting so far uh, in the first uh, half hour or so, and the results are overwhelmingly of the opinion that the NFL is being run by idiots. Do you agree with the NFL's decision to ban a Super Bowl ad from an American veterans group requesting that players please stand for the national anthem? Right now, 90% of you, 90% of you are saying you disagree with the NFL decision. If I can see that this is going to be a dumb decision, if everyone out there basically listening right now who is voting in this poll question can see that the NFL decision is going to be dumb, how is the NFL this dumb? I mean, do they just need to make... Think about how much better the NFL would be if every time they had a difficult decision to make, if they had just polled Twitter and done whatever the Twitter poll results suggested... I would surmise the NFL would actually be in better shape than they are right now. How, how amazing is that? If they had just used Twitter polls or even crazier, just called me and said, hey, Clay Travis, can you put up a Twitter poll on this question and see what your followers think? Because we know tens of thousands of them will vote and we'll do whatever your followers suggest. They'd be in better shape. That's how bad they've mishandled this entire situation. They can't even get it right. They are so incompetent in the NFL that confronted with two options, Roger Goodell consistently picks the worst one. He has the worst instincts of a league commissioner, of any league commissioner that I can ever remember. And isn't that ultimately what you're paying him $40 million a year to do? To figure out issues that could confront the league and make them not be issues. David Stern, years ago, sees the Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf protest, former Chris Jackson, and he's like, you know what? We probably should resolve this issue. We probably should figure out a way to avoid this becoming a massive issue for our league. Let's mandate that every player stand for the national anthem. And you know what's happened? Every NBA player all year has stood for the national anthem. Not one player has been willing to take an E. 
and the story hasn't existed. Doesn't mean that players can't be political. Players and coaches have been insanely political in the NBA. But fans are okay with you having political opinions as long as you don't voice them in uniform on the court during the games. That's not a very hard standard to meet. Say whatever you want in their post-game press conference. Say whatever you want on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Share it. We understand. Opinions are like butts. Everybody's got one. But when you are there to entertain us as an athlete, just like Iron Man doesn't take a knee before the newest Iron Man movie, I don't want LeBron James taking a knee. I don't want a player distracting from the game itself when he's in uniform on the job. That's not a hard standard to meet. He can say whatever he wants afterwards in his post-game press conference. He can say whatever he wants during the week in any potential media availability he wants to do. He can advocate for whatever cause he wants. But when you're in your uniform and the game's about to start and you're on the field at your job, you do it. I don't I don't even understand how anybody can disagree with that. The NFL could have nipped this whole thing in the bud and their ratings wouldn't have collapsed over the course of this year. I mean, we're talking about tens of millions of people making the decision not to watch the NFL this year that we're watching last year. It's insane to me. Roger Goodell has bungled every major decision he's had to make. You give him two options, he's going to consistently pick the worst. And that's all he's being paid for is his judgment. And whether it's Ezekiel Elliott, whether it was Ray Rice, whether it's the NFL protest controversy, whether it was the personal conduct policy in general, every time he has a major decision to make for the betterment of the NFL, Roger Goodell makes the wrong one. I'm telling you, I could do a better job than Roger Goodell, zero doubt. All right, this is a a big story. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Michigan State and the controversy surrounding this Larry Nassar case of uh, all of the sexual misconduct that he committed involving athletes at Michigan State and the U.S. women's gymnastics team. The NCAA has announced that they are opening an investigation. Smart decision, wrong decision. We'll talk about it next. Big story here in the world of college athletics on OutKick, the coverage. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Okay, um, interesting question out there. We talked yesterday, if you listened an hour or two, with Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports, and he's one of the best national columnists in America, been doing it for a long time, and he has been covering this Larry Nasser case uh, at Michigan State involving the U.S. women's gymnastics, all this sexual abuse, hundreds of women have been his victim. And a lot of, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't cover this story as much as I should have, uh, certainly compared to the Jerry Sandusky case because at Penn State, because I think this potentially is every bit as bad as that case. And in that case, the Penn State case, the NCAA opened up an investigation into how the university responded to the Jerry Sandusky allegations, whether there was improper behavior in the athletic department. And it was a controversial decision by the NCAA because a lot of people said, you know, wait a minute. The NCAA is designed essentially to investigate minor infractions in the grand scheme of things. Did somebody get a free meal? Did somebody get a free car? Uh, did somebody use the wrong phone to contact recruits? All these like kind of a tiddlywink rules that in the grand scheme of things don't matter that much. Because I've always said the NCAA rules 
essentially exist and they don't change anything. And my position on rules that don't change anything is that what's the point of them existing otherwise other than just giving a bureaucracy a reason to inf- uh, to, 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 to implement the rules. And my argument here on NCAA rules is as follows. Think about this for me. If there were no NCAA rules at all, which teams would be good at football? Alabama, USC, Ohio State, assuming they had decent coaches, all of those schools, right? The biggest and the best brands would be the best. Which schools are the best with NCAA rules? The exact same ones. So what's the point of NCAA rules? Honestly, it doesn't change the outcome at all. But the NCAA's decision to get involved in Penn State was incredibly controversial because suddenly the NCAA was investigating child sex abuse and determining that there was a violation of NCAA rules as it pertained to Penn State. They put Penn State on probation, and that was a controversial decision. Now I think we've got a similar decision here to potentially make at Michigan State. Do you want the NCAA investigating Michigan State's athletic department over this huge sexual assault case involving Larry Nasser, who was an employee of Michigan State and sexually abused and hundreds of potential Michigan State female athletes. My inclination on this has changed. Initially, several years ago, I was like, you know what? The NCAA should look into issues like this. Now I believe the NCAA should probably stay out of anything involving criminal wrongdoing such as this because it's so much more significant than what the NCAA typically investigates. Now, I I said this on Twitter yesterday and got uh, a lot of blowback on it. I, I read a lot about Larry Nasser over the weekend to get ready for that Dan Wetzel interview after my wife asked me going into the weekend, how come you aren't talking about this sexual assault case at Michigan State like you wrote and talked about the Penn State case around Jerry Sandusky? I said, you know what, that's a good question. And I think the answer is because, certainly for me, the Penn State case directly involved football, and this Michigan State case kind of snuck up on us. First of all, it involved a lot of female athletes at Michigan State who are participating in sports that I just wasn't familiar with. It's not like I know that much about any women's sport in America other than maybe a tiny little bit of knowledge about women's basketball. And so I, don't, I didn't know these athletes in question. I didn't know much about the Michigan State connection. I just hadn't done my homework on it. And then on top of it, I hadn't really spent much time thinking about the U.S. women's gym, gymnasts who were involved because I just hadn't read very much about it. And those women are obviously huge sports celebrities that just about everybody would know. Um, but I think in situations like this, the Larry Nasser case, I think we should bring back public hanging, or the guillotine. I think the moment his final victim makes her statement, we don't have any question about guilt or innocence here. Larry Nasser has already pled guilty. He's already admitted that he sexually abused hundreds of women who were there because he was their doctor, and there is absolutely zero doubt that he did it. I think that the moment the final victim makes her final statement, we should walk that guy out onto the front steps of the public courtroom 
and we should hang him or we should chop his head off. Might be a controversial opinion, and I'm not a guy who generally supports the death penalty because I think there's too much uncertainty when it comes to jury trials and the fact that typically the guys who get, it's almost always men, the guys who get the death penalty are people who who don't have good lawyers, who typically are poor, underprivileged in the grand scheme of things. But in a case like Larry Nassar, where you know there are hundreds of victims and he has admitted that he did it, why are we putting this guy in jail for the rest of his life? Why aren't we just going to go ahead and execute him? There's no dispute about guilt or innocence. Bring him outside on the front steps of the courthouse. Set up the guillotine like back in the day in the French Revolution. Set up old school, the hanging rope, and go ahead and get it done right there on the front steps of the courthouse. I'm 100% in favor of it. Some of you might be like, oh, you can't do that anymore. We can do a firing squad too. Be fine with that. This guy doesn't deserve to continue to live based on what he did, in my opinion. And to the extent that there is anything that we can take away as a lesson, I would say this. As much as you can. I don't have daughters. I've got three boys. Last night, we're out eating dinner in a restaurant. And just about every time that my son... And my son is nine. I've got a nine, a seven, and a three-year-old. Obviously, the three-year-old, you got to go everywhere with him. But I am so worried about men behaving inappropriately around my boys that if they have to go to the bathroom, even at the ages of nine and seven, I go in the bathroom with them. Because I just don't trust people in public bathrooms. If I had a daughter and she was going in like a lot of these girls did, at the age of 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, to see this doctor by herself, I wouldn't allow that. I mean, to the extent that you can learn from situations like this, one, quiz your kids about how they're being treated by people in positions of power like this, because a lot of times people are afraid to question the authority of a doctor, which makes this Larry Nassar crime so much worse. But if you have a daughter... Even if she's telling you she doesn't want you to do it, if you're a dad, if you're a mom, you're a grandparent, you're a caregiver, go into the medical operating room or the medical uh, examination with her. Because I don't think this guy, this pervert, this awful dude, Larry Nassar, would have done the same things that he did to these girls if their parents had been sitting there in the room alongside of them. Sunshine cures a lot of these situations. And I just think it is such an awful story that it deserves more attention than it's received. And to me, Larry Nasser needs to be marched right outside the moment this trial is over, that the final 190th victim statement has been made and executed. This guy, we need to send a message about this guy that's not acceptable and... Maybe that's harsh. Maybe some of you out there are like, man, I don't know about this. I think that guy doesn't deserve to live another day once his trial is over. You're in a position of prominence like that. You're in a position of trust, and you take advantage of all of these female patients like you did and sexually assault them all, and nobody stands up for them. We're talking about a 20-year reign of horror and terror. It's just an unbelievable story especially to be happening literally at the same time that the Jerry Sandusky case is going on. And everybody, including me, is saying, well, hopefully 
we have learned something about what universities need to be hyper vigilant and aware when it comes to child sexual abuse. We're like, we can never allow something like Jerry Sandusky to happen again. And it's happening in the same damn division in the same conference. How is that possible? How is it possible that an equally large potentially scandal as Jerry Sandusky is happening at Michigan State at the same time that it's happening at Penn State? And nobody listens to these girls when they go public with their complaints for nearly 20 years until, to their credit, the Indianapolis newspaper finally breaks this story, as Dan Wetzel told us yesterday. Props to those guys in the investigative journalism department at the Indianapolis newspaper. Because nobody's listening to these girls until, finally, this Indianapolis newspaper and its hardworking journalists break this story and end this child predator's long-running sexual assault case that's been going on for 20 years. And now the NCAA potentially is getting involved, and that's where we started this discussion. I just I don't know what I think about the NCAA getting involved. I don't think the NCAA belongs here. I think this story is so bad, and this story is so symptomatic of larger issues in society where people in positions of power can get away with things for far too long because their victims aren't believed. I don't know what the NCAA adds here. And I would tell you this. Trust your intuition as a parent. Question your kids. Believe them. I've said this story before, but for me, it's changed my behavior on the Jerry Sandusky trial. We were on vacation in Michigan several years ago during the Jerry Sandusky mess as it was blowing up and becoming a major story. And we were staying at a resort uh, on Mackinac, Mackinac Island in Michigan. My wife is from Michigan. We go upstate to Michigan a lot of times during the summer. Beautiful place. Michigan in the summer, upstate Michigan, the UP, all that area. One of the great hidden treasures in the entire country. Now, I'm not a cold weather guy, so I don't like going up there during the cold weather. But during the summer, it's fabulous. Traverse City, Mackinac Island, uh, Petoskey, all these different really awesome communities that most of you will never get to because they're so far up in Michigan. So we're up there on family vacation in the summer. And my wife and I are going out for dinner. And at the resort we're staying at, they have uh, babysitters who will come and watch your kids if you are on uh, a uh, you're going out to dinner. I mean, the island is small. You can walk everywhere. And they'll bring in college kids usually who are up there working in the summer. College kids will come watch your kids. So I think at the time we had like a six-year-old and a four-year-old, something like that. Um, and, uh, and the babysitter arrives and it's a guy and he shows up and my wife's starting to tell him, you know, kind of like how the details are going to go. And I just walked right in. I said, uh, sorry, I'm not leaving my kids with a boy, the guy. He said, you have an issue with the male babysitter? I said, yeah, uh, I'm not leaving my kids with a male babysitter. And my wife was like, no, you can't say that. That's like I said it right in front of me. She said, that's sexist. You're being chauvinistic. You can't do it. I said, you know what? I'm going to play the odds. Go get me a college girl and I'll let her, I'll leave her with the kids. I'm not letting a male babysitter watch my kids. In a Jerry Sandusky era, I'm just playing the odds. The odds of a woman doing something and a college age girl doing something inappropriate with my six and four year old boys is virtually zero. 
Odds of a guy doing it, much higher. Maybe unfair to that male babysitter. I'm not going to do it. So when the male babysitter showed up, I said, I'm not going to do this. My wife was upset with me. I said, look, I don't trust men. I don't trust men around young kids after all the stories we've seen about male behavior around young kids. And so similarly, I don't have daughters. But if I had a daughter, I want you guys to think about this. A lot of you do. A lot of moms and dads driving into work right now. A lot of moms and dads listening to us. If you have the opportunity to go in to a physical exam with a male doctor with your teenage daughter, I would go in 100 times out of 100 after this Larry Nasser case. 100 times out of 100. Even if she's saying, no, mom, no, dad, I don't want you to go in, you know, sit in a way where you don't have to watch the examination, sit in a way where if you're making her uncomfortable, so be it. You say to her, look, I understand that you're not happy about this, but there are a lot of doctors out there that are not trustworthy. I think we've got a trustworthy one right now taking care of you, but I'm not going to risk it. And I'm not going to risk your well-being over a case like this. I'm going to go in with you for this physical examination. I'm going to sit right against the wall here. I'm not going to say anything unless the doctor asks me a question. You're going to be able to answer all his questions, but I'm going to sit here and make sure that he behaves appropriately. I don't know how many parents did that. I don't know how many parents, as a result, saved their daughters from sexual abuse from Larry Nasser, but I bet some did. I bet some did. And if I had a daughter after this Larry Nasser story, after seeing it, I would go into every single physical exam that she had until she was an adult. Or you can say that's way too protective. You can say that, you know, your daughter probably is not going to be very happy about it. That's why you send in mom maybe with her for some of those exams. But I think a parent needs to be there. I read those Larry Nasser victim statements. I've watched some of those on video. They are excruciating. And I think we need to take a lesson from it. But is that lesson that the NCAA needs to come in and investigate it? I don't think so. I just, I've changed my mind on this. I don't think the NCAA needs to be investigating criminal behavior. Um, I just think, again, we should execute this guy on the courthouse steps as soon as the final victim statement's made. I don't think the NCAA should get involved. All right, that's a dark story. Sometimes we got to do dark stories, unfortunately, that intersect with the world of sports. Hopefully there'll be people who learn from this and the end result can end up being something positive. But man, it's an ugly, awful story right now. Going to shift gears, get a little bit lighter, bring in my guy Jeff Schwartz. He's up next. He's going to tell us all about the NFC and the AFC title games, what he saw, and also what he believes about the Patriots and the Eagles as we start to gear up for Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. Reminder, we'll be up there all next week doing the show live from Radio Row, which is inside the Mall of America uh, if you're in the Minneapolis area or you're traveling to go to the Eagles and the Patriots game. Hopefully, we'll have it open. We'll be able to meet some of you guys who regularly listen to the show. In the meantime, does your business have any New Year's resolutions? Here's an important one. Every business should consider make your hiring process more efficient and effective. This year, let ZipRecruiter help. No one can do a better job of transforming how you find the right talent than they can. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality hire 
through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is always a confident show, especially when we bring in Eddie Garcia to tell us what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, Clay, we're going to start in the NBA as far as the games on the court last night, including the Spurs beating the Cavaliers 114-102. to Cleveland star LeBron James had 28 points and became the seventh player ever and the youngest player ever to reach the 30,000-point mark. Kobe Bryant had the old mark. Cleveland, though, has lost 6 of 7 and 11 of its last 15 games. Lakers edge the Celtics 108-107. Boston, the top team in the Eastern Conference, has now dropped a season high four in a row. Warriors improved to a league-best 38-10 and with a 123-112 win over the Knicks. And the Thunder edge the Nets 109-108. Russell Westbrook, the reigning league MVP, with a, gets a layup with three seconds to go to get the game-winning bucket. He finished with... 32 points. And Clay, the uh, all-star game reserves in the NBA have been named in the East. They are Bradley Beal, John Wall, Al Horford, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Victor Oladipo. In the West, your reserves for the all-star game, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Russell Westbrook, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, and Damian Lillard. Good stuff, as always, from Eddie Garcia. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We bring in now, as we do every single Wednesday, our guy Jeff Schwartz at Jeff, G-E-O-F-F-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. You can also just follow me on Twitter, and I'll retweet him later today during the um, during the podcast uh, retweet, which I'd also encourage you, by the way, to go subscribe for. Search out OutKick on podcast, and you can join the podcast crew like millions of you have already done Jeff Schwartz joins us now. Uh, Jeff, it's been a dark show so far. Lots of seriousness, so you need to bring the light here. Um, Let me start here with a couple of uh, serious questions for you. First of all, is the NFL's mishandling of the anthem controversy evidence of Roger Goodell being an idiot or evidence of the entire league being an idiot? Because the latest story now is they won't allow an ad in in the Super Bowl program. Like the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball have managed to handle a political era with virtually zero controversy surrounding their actual sport and ratings not really being impacted, whereas the NFL has totally bungled this. How do they solve it? Well, they have totally bungled it. And, um, look, I this whole ad thing is interesting because there's been no protesting the entire playoffs. And for the, you know throughout the season, 99% of players did, did nothing. So... Um, it's kind of, yeah, but the know, problem is, you know, you know how the problem no, is, right? Like 99% no, of the, people no, are law-abiding, so it's like the, the 1% problem. that gets all the attention no, is the people no, doing I, things no, different. No, no, I understand all that, but I'm saying like just from 
being a football fan perspective, like we have had great storylines in the playoffs, some great games, um, and then this is what we're talking about for a couple of days. So that I'm just fatigued from the from the story. But you're right, the NFL um, from a business perspective did not handle um, this like the NBA had really. Where there was no controversy in the NBA because they weren't they were not allowed. Um, to take a knee. And by but, the way, the, know, what I've been saying is the NBA players have been intensely political and so have a lot of coaches. But as long as you aren't doing it directly connected to the game, I think it's a lot like actors and actresses showing up at the Oscars and making political statements. People are still like, you know what, I'll go see so-and-so's movie. I don't care what their view is on global warming, right? Like, I love right. Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. I don't give one iota of interest. I have zero interest in what Leonardo DiCaprio's political beliefs are. I'm like, the dude's a pretty good actor. I'm probably going to go see a movie that he's in. But I don't care at all what he believes outside of being an actor, right? And so uh, I I think that's the way most fans are about sports. I 100% agree with you. Uh, you I don't know if NFL recovers that much from this. I think there is cord cutting involved. Just remember too, there's people on the other side that are they're not watching because Colin Kaepernick's not. Yeah, but I don't I don't believe that's um, actually impactful. And, like I, and so, so here's two people. So like here's an example of somebody that I met recently who's not watching NFL anymore. Okay, and and this is a person who's not coming back because I talked to him about it. Like, what if Fidel changes? What if they do this? He watched NFL on Sundays because it was there. He's a college football fan. Um, he watched for the, the guys from his favorite school play. That was it. He had really no attachment to NFL. He kind of was looking for a way out, and this was his way out. Was he's upset about the 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 protest? He's out. He's never coming back. Yeah, I have a friend who's not who's not watching the Super Bowl because pink is too political, and to me that seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, like really, like you is that really because pink and Justin Timberlake are come on, get out of here. So look, if people w- want to find ways to not watch the NFL, I think this was an opportunity to do that. Now there are obviously some people. Who were offended by 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 the kneeling and chose not to watch? I think they'll come back if if Goodell does something. Um, and it seems to be leaning towards what what we used to do, which is not come out at all for the anthem. Right? I think that just, doesn't come out. I think that um, just. I think that just. It, I understand if they had made that decision before the Kaepernick protest. I don't think anybody would have cared. But if they all don't come out for the national anthem now, then I think it's going to be like, oh, they capitulated to the players. Here's my solution. I'm curious what you think. You can kneel. You have the right to kneel, even though I think it's crazy that if you're in your uniform and your employer tells you not to do something, like you have an obligation to do it or you cannot, you know, work for that employer. Right. But that's my position in general. But let's say you decide to kneel because they're going to say, okay, we're not going to stop players from doing it now. You have to make a substantial donation to charity to wounded veterans. I think that would solve the problem because, one, it puts players' money where their mouth is. Okay, if it's not about you – uh, kneeling to disapprove of, of veterans or or the national anthem or whatever else, you have the right to make whatever political statement you want in uniform on the field, which I think isn't true, but if you allow them to do it, but you have to donate a substantial portion of your paycheck to wounded warriors or a, vet, a similar veteran-like organization. I think that would solve the issue, and I think it would go away, and I think the number of players that would actually be willing to kneel if it cost them money, would be really small. So I think it would probably disappear because of that, too. Well, a lot of the players that we're dealing have donated money. Um, and but look, if you if you officially it's, it's, mandate it, I know because it's, I think it's, that it's, wipes it's, out the, the people who are like, right. oh, you're disrespecting the country or the troops. I'm supporting the troops and injured warriors and everything else. I think it, it's a good compromise, and it kills the story, 
and I think it then gives the players a right to have whatever political opinion they want. I mean, the story was basically dead and until Donald Trump and his SOB comments, too. So, like, let's not pretend that it, there was, it was a big story. It was basically dead. The only yeah, but I don't even blame was, Trump for doing that because it's, it, it's a total way for a politician to play to his base. And I, no, I, I think that, that Trump I, agrees I know, with I, it. No, I, I, I know that. I, I didn't, that. I'm just saying that, like, that, that okay, so why, why would it bother people if NFL players did not come out for the anthem? Because that's the way it used to be. And then the, because you know, because when, now when, it's – When this first it, story – when this I, story when this story first started, I thought to myself like we used to not come out for the anthem. Like I didn't think it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal. But NFL has tied itself to the military, and so now this is where we're at. And I guess yeah, I guess if you go backwards, it seems like the players have won. But the players have won already because the NFL is, is forming initiatives uh, and, and giving money to to the, you know to players causes. Um, they haven't given in yet, right? I mean, you know, David Stern probably. And I, I, I know he's not the commissioner now. David Stern would have cracked down the first week this happened. Um, that's my and, point on Goodell just being a total. Right. Like, if you well, give think, Roger Goodell two options, he consistently picks the wrong one, which makes me wonder <laughs> how in the world is this guy making forty million dollars a year when um, all he gets paid for is judgment, and he consistently has the worst possible judgment. Well, that's what Jerry Jones. That's why he was yes. upset with the with, with negotiations. Um, so this is this is the one opportunity. This is the one time I can remember in my career really where the players have basically won. Now it's probably a detriment to the NFL, and we'll find out um, with the th- you know with the Thursday night football bidding that, that's um, that's coming up with the CBS and I mean CBS, Fox, and NBC are the only three that are left. Yeah, and um, the reports are by the way on that that CBS. This is an interesting story, and actually I might talk about it a little bit at the top of hour three. But the reports are that CBS and NBC both cut their bids for Thursday night football because they're losing money on the Thursday night football package, but that Fox has increased its bid to a new level, and the expectation is that Fox is going to get it. And I think that's not about making money. I think that's Fox trying to send a message, hey, even though we're selling some of our assets to Disney, we still intend to be highly relevant in the world of sports and live original programming. And so that's not about making a bid for an NFL package that they really think is worth what they're bidding, it's like sending a message that, hey, we're still relevant. You know, So I think yeah. that's, where, that's, that's the storyline there that's kind of fascinating is I think Fox is going to get Thursday Night Football and put it on Big Fox, like the main Fox broadcast right. network, as a sign to prove how relevant they still are. Well, you know, look, no one makes money on Thursday Night Football. They, they, use the, they use the time to advertise for their programs. I mean, that's why CBS has had it. They've not made money, but they, they look at it as an opportunity to promote Big Bang Theory or whatever other shows they have because the most people watch, watch football still. I mean, you know, the, the, the highest rated shows for this year, they're not as highly rated as other years, are NFL games. I mean, we all know that. So, you know, networks use this opportunity to advertise uh, for themselves. I mean, your theory on Fox is pretty interesting to put – to put it on on Big Fox on Thursday night, um, you know maybe the NFL gives them better games too. I mean, there's been some some really bad Thursday football matchups um, that helps. But you know, in 2021, when the TV contracts are up, you know we'll see if the players have lost money. I think that's the time that we'll see um, if 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 this backfired on the NFL because right now the NFL still making a lot of money and the networks are taking a lot of, of the hit, not the NFL at the moment. Now, in 2021, when the TV contracts are up and, and there's new negotiations, we'll find out. Um, whether or not this really put a dent into the NFL's profits. What do you think about the two games that we watched? Let's go on to the field here. 
AFC and NFC title games. We spent a lot of time talking about officiating in the AFC, uh, and and it drove me insane. Like I was like this conspiracy theory argument, even though at times I understand why fans react to it. I even sometimes will tweet it, but it's in the in the heat of the moment when you actually look at it. Was there anything that struck you as abnormal about the Patriots and the Jags game, watching it as a former player? No, and I'm 100% with you. Stop blaming the refs. It's, it's lazy. It's whiny. Um, look, they, they let almost everything go the entire game. They called no holdings up front. Well, they called one that was, that was not accepted. But, yeah. but Cam, Robinson ta- Cam Robinson tackled a guy right in front of the quarterback. That's a 100% holding call. Um, you know, they let most contact go. Yes, they, they, they called the foul on Gronk because it was a foul. Um, they, and, and then the very next play, they called pass interference on Bouye. Look, once a ref throws a flag, he's kind of in the mode to, to see physical contact again. I think that's part of what happened. That would have happened separately of Gronk getting knocked out to play beforehand. Maybe that's not P.I. That's it. And maybe the Patriots, you know, had a couple holdings with Pat Chung. But, like, get over it, man. It was a, it, it's not why you lost the game. Look, I'm a Chiefs fan. The forward progress call was BS. We know that, right? The Chiefs still missed a field goal in the second half. They still had no offense in the second half. They still allowed the Titans to score three touchdowns in the second half, right? There's many reasons why the Chiefs lost that game. Is that part of the reason why? Sure, but the Jacksonville Jaguars were up, were up 20-10, had the ball after a Miles Jack fumble, which, by the way, the refs blew dead for a couple reasons. One is because he might have not seen Jack have the football in his hand. He might have realized after he blew the whistle, oh, whoa, it's a fumble. That happens all the time. Two, it looked like he might have been touched down. Like, I don't think it's that big of a controversy to where you know, people literally think, Clay, people think, I, I tweeted this out and people think this. They think that the refs in, in that moment thought to themselves, I'm going to screw, I'm going to screw Jacksonville here. You know, like, yeah, it's absurd. Get out of here. Like, it's, it's, it's absurd. So, look, you're up 20-10 after that. You go three and out again. It's third and 18. You allow third and 18. And you get super conservative in, in, in your play call in the second half. Um, Warren Sharp, who runs um, at Sharp Football, he does a lot of analytics. He broke it down in the second half. Jacksonville ran the ball out of shotgun like five straight drives, and then the second the, and then the second play of the drive was a pass, which was incomplete. And then the third play was a third and eight, and they threw the ball again. Like he, it was, they did the same thing every drive for five straight drives. New England smart enough; they figured it out, and and you lost. Like get over it. You had a chance to win. You didn't win. Um, you know, great effort. If you had maybe any other quarterback than Blake Bortles, you probably win that game because I think you saw his limitations in the second half with with New England bringing pressure to to slow him down. Bortles is not a drop back passer. Uh, look, it's 55 seconds left in the first half. Almost every other team goes for that with two timeouts in the NFL. That's that's a chance. You saw the Eagles do it to get three points, um, and they didn't do it because of Blake Bortles. 100% because of Blake Bortles. So um, Jacksonville, you lost the game. You played well. It's on you. You're, you know, you hadn't been that spotlight before, and you lost. Get over it. What did you see in the NFC? Jeez, I mean, Nick Foles played the game of his life. I mean, uh, that was uh, pretty ridiculous. And look, the Eagles just need average Nick Foles and no turnovers to win on uh, in two weeks. I mean, they're they're more talented than than the Patriots are. I mean, it was the same with Jacksonville as well. Um, and you know, Doug Peterson and, and Howie Roseman, the GM, have done just a fantastic job of having backups ready to play, right? They lose their all-pro left tackle, future Hall of Famer. They lose their middle linebacker, their best special teams player, their MVP quarterback. Um, they lose all these guys and just continue to, to win games. And, and the way they scheme things up is just fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup 
it's going to be, I think, a lot better than people think, especially with Foles in there you know, playing against Tom Brady. What's your early read? We'll talk to you next week at the Super Bowl, but as you go into this first weekend, what's your early read on who should be favored? Well, I, I think the, the line is about right. I mean, five points. I, I would touch five points, but if it was like seven, I'd bet the Eagles super hard. I mean, I could see this game being like 24-23. Um, I think the Patriots end up winning just because Tom. it's Tom Brady. I, I just – you, you can't convince me that, that Nick Foles is beating Tom Brady because history has shown that's never really happened in a Super Bowl. I mean, Eli Manning beat him twice, and those are, you know, we can, I think we can agree if you're a Giants fan as well. I mean, you, you, you had a ball off someone's helmet that you caught, and then Eli Manning maybe had the best pass of his career to Manningham, and that was an excellent pat, you know, pitch and catch, but it was, a, you know, it was an excellent play for that to happen. Look, he's not losing uh, to Nick Foles. Uh, but the game's going to be super close. I mean, I can see coming down to a field goal, to a final drive. It's going to be um, a game where, you know, the, the the Patriots could be down 10 in the fourth quarter again. And so at 24-23, you know, 27-24, uh, somewhere in the mid-20s, in the mid I, I see this game, but New England winner. Outstanding stuff as always. We'll talk to you live at the Super Bowl next week, Jeff. Yeah, see you next week. That's Jeff Schwartz. Go follow him on Twitter. Up next, it's Animal Thunderdome. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago as well. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want. This tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. We haven't done one yet this week. I feel like the animals are in an uproar. They're in an uprising. It's time for the Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet and stricter stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. It is indeed time for the Animal Thunderdome. Boys, what do you have for me? I would say the biggest one so far is a Russian hunter shot and killed by his dog. Oh, no. Yes, a hunter in Russia shot and killed. No, it's really not. What kind of dog do we know? Uh, Let's see. According to this particular version of the story, I don't see. It It does have the gun, which is interesting, but it says a hunter in Russia shot and killed by his dog after the animal brushed against the gun. And fired it. The gun, a double-barreled TOZ-34 shotgun, discharged after the dog became excited and jumped on the hunter. 64-year-old man balancing the gun on his knee with the barrel pointing towards his stomach. The death has been declared an accident. Bad dog. Uh, Yeah. That's the first time I've heard of that story before. I mean, perhaps it's not. Like, perhaps that happens more often than not, but... I don't know. A dog shooting a guy? Maybe that dog needed to get away. Not a 64-year-old man. I don't know what's going on. Not an expert, but probably balancing the gun barrel in your stomach. Not a good move. Not an expert on gun safety, but that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, that's taking next level. You always don't point the fork at other people when you're walking. You're not supposed to point a fork or a knife. You're supposed to point it at yourself. Uh, With the gun, probably don't point it at anything, but definitely don't point it at yourself when you have a dog around that you can't actually speak to. If it gets out of control. By the way, also your voice has been breaking a lot lately. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm not, big deal. I'm Sean McDonough. Actually, I you had a are fever Sean this McDonough. Weekend, I feel like so we made fun of Sean McDonough for his voice cracking during that call 
in the Kansas City and the Titans game. And ever since then, karma has just rendered your voice unworkable. Oh, it was already before that. I'd said it actually at the time. When I get sick, that's what happens to me. Sean McDonough, it's actually happened five or six times. I went back and found a bunch of other clips of him throughout history. Some big moments that he's called where it's happened when he gets excited. Also in Russia, police raided a Russian home to search for illegal weapons and instead came upon a basement-dwelling crocodile. Oh, what? Authorities, yes. Authorities in St. Petersburg said police searching a Peter Goff area house suspected of being used by a nationalist group seized a cache of weapons and then discovered a six-and-a-half-foot Nile crocodile swimming in a pool carved into the concrete floor of this basement. Why do so many people who are outside the law end up with crocodiles and tigers? It seems like every Mexican drug lord has got crocodiles and tigers. Is it because they're feeding, like, dead bodies to these animals? Like, do you think the crocodile was eating people? I mean, I guess that could be part of it. It just seems like it just kind of goes with the territory. It's like a macho move to have something completely exotic that no one else would have. Like, narcos, you're going to see seven tigers in Pablo Escobar's backyard. Think how hard it is probably to get a Nile River crocodile to Russia. Like, how far you... uh, First of all, how big was it initially when it moved there? But think about the effort that you would have to make to get a Nile River crocodile to Russia. I mean, that's not... That's a huge distance to travel. And I would think, you know, that frequently the weather's not very good. So the the crocodile, you know, it's just an unbelievable story. Also, this is weird. Police and a veterinary service in St. Petersburg are searching for a home for the crocodile after the Leningrad Zoo said there was no room for the reptile. No room You're at the end. You're telling me a zoo could not actually get a six-and-a-half-foot crocodile in? Well, like, also, how tight are the conditions at this zoo? Wouldn't it be a pretty big attraction to have a Nile River crocodile at the St. Petersburg Russia Zoo? I mean, I'm thinking that's probably something the kids would want to see. Especially Walter White's crocodile. I think, you know, this is where I'm an expert on animals like i think if they needed the zoo like this happened in nashville the zoo would come on every now and then they'd be like hey we're thinking about adding this animal i'll tell you what people want to see you go get the polar bear nile river crocodile is a strong addition you want to know what animal people will come out for i'll tell you the penguin penguin does pretty well i know the animal power rankings i could i could tell you immediately you work at a zoo you want to know what animal to bring in you just tweet me i'll tell you i'll 100 percent get it right no doubt All right, that's the Animal Thunderdome. Um, Hour three, I got an interesting question for you. I've been making this argument for a long time. The Cavs suck. We haven't talked much about them. Why would they not trade LeBron James? Why am I a genius? We'll talk about that next. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Hope you are having a fantastic Wednesday. Want to encourage you, if you missed the first two hours of the program, to go download the podcast, search out OutKick on iTunes, and millions of you are doing that every single month. I think January we're going to set probably a new record. Justin Cooper can look up the actual official numbers, but I think we're trending towards a new all-time record for downloads in January. So thank you for the support of the show. And uh, we're having a great deal of fun. Uh, Next week, I keep reminding you guys, we are going to be live in Minneapolis all week long for the Super Bowl. Always a lot of fun. So uh, we will be at the Mall of America, which is where Radio Row is this year. We'll have a lot of great guests for you already kind of lining up. A lot of fun for you there. So 
next week, uh, go ahead and uh, make sure that you get that podcast downloaded so that you don't miss any of the guests that we will have. You can uh, listen and subscribe. Just search out OutKick. You can also get my afternoon show, which doesn't have any FCC restrictions. I come on every afternoon on Periscope and Facebook Live at 3 o'clock Eastern-ish, right around there. Follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis. You'll get notifications on that if you're at work. Can help to give you like a 30-minute little break there um, where you pretend to work and you're not actually doing so. Several things I want to hit. We have talked about so far. The NFL has banned an ad that is blatantly, absurdly stupid to have banned. And that ad has to do with, I just tweeted it out. The NFL has banned an ad in its Super Bowl program that says, hashtag please stand, shows the American flag, and says, make a $20 tax-deductible donation and help us help veterans. And I'm going to go ahead and give them a free ad here. Uh, Why not? Because I think they're in the right here. By texting veterans, that's veterans, V-E-T-E-R-A-N-S, to 444-999. And then it says at the bottom, AMVETS is the most inclusive, congressionally chartered veterans service organization in the nation helping veterans since 1944. The NFL decided that was too political. I just, the stupidity of the NFL blows my mind. So our poll question that's up that I put up in hour one, do you agree with the NFL's decision to ban a Super Bowl ad from an American veterans group requesting that players please stand for the national anthem? And it doesn't even say, by the way, players. It just says hashtag please stand which is actually what they announce at the, at every NFL game when, and, and, and I haven't heard many people talk about this, but every time when they have the national anthem, they request that fans please stand. Please stand, I think, at, at least at the Titan Stadium, they say, where I have a season ticket holder, please stand and remove your caps for the playing of the national anthem. That's literally what they announce inside the stadium, and just about every fan stands up. Do you agree with the NFL's decision not to allow that ad that I just read for you it's unbelievable. I don't know that we've ever had a poll question this lopsided. 89% of you disagree with the NFL's decision to ban this Super Bowl ad. Pretty crazy. So you can go check that ad out if you want to see it. The NFL, Roger Goodell, you give them two options. They'll consistently choose the worst. It's become unbelievable how bad their decision-making is. Uh, on top of that, We have also talked about Michigan State. I didn't ask my guys' opinions on this because I got on my rant surrounding Larry Nassar. If you listened to yesterday's show, you know we had Dan Wetzel on. Newest update in the Larry Nassar story. He's the Michigan State doctor who abused all these girls and also U.S. women's gymnasts. And uh, the NCAA has now said they are opening an inquiry into the way that Michigan State handled this situation. I said I've kind of changed my opinion on this in the wake of the way that the Penn State investigation went down everything else. I just don't think the NCAA should be investigating this. I think the NCAA is an illegitimate, immoral, indefensible organization that shouldn't exist because they do virtually nothing to help men's basketball players or football players. I'm anti-NCAA because I think the rules that the NCAA has created as a part of their bureaucracy make absolutely no sense. I, uh, I don't think that they should be investigating improper benefits, meals, cars, apartments. All that stuff is stupid to me. I don't think it makes any sense. So I also certainly don't think they should be investigating legitimate criminal activity. I think they aren't equipped to be able to handle it and not screw it up. So I am opposed to that in general. 
What about you guys? Do you think the NCAA should be looking at Michigan State in any way, Jason Martin? I'm not 100% sure. I just don't know enough, and I'm too repulsed to actually have gone too deep into it. Everything I've seen from Allie Raceman's statement to various stories in various places, this guy, I kind of agree with you, quite frankly, uh, in terms if you know of punishment you're guilty, when it comes to this. You should, I, I would be fine. People would be like, uh, I, I would be totally fine if we brought back hanging and I would be comfortable being the guy to show up in Michigan and kick the stool out from underneath this guy. I'm also totally fine with a firing squad. I'm fine with uh, decapitation, old school style, like the French Revolution with the guillotine. I think when you have a guy admit that he is totally in the wrong, and he's admitted now to uh, molesting these, uh, these sexually assaulting and molesting many of these girls, and there's no dispute whatsoever about his guilt or innocence, I think that there's no point in putting him in jail for the rest of his life. Why not go ahead and execute him? Send a message. I, I, I mean, I don't know how there, you like, can live with yourself anyway. Honestly, if I'm if I'm Larry Nasser, I might actually want that. To be quite frankly, like I can't imagine waking up every day, even as damaged as he has to be, admitting to what he's had to admit to. Once he's behind bars, if indeed that's what happens, and he's behind bars the rest of his life, obviously he's already in prison. He has to wake up every day and realize that he took the innocence and he took the advantage of the position he was in, not just with one, which is bad enough, believe me, not just with five, not just with ten. I mean, Law and Order never did an episode with somebody this heinous. I mean, Special Victims victims. Units, it would be like 20. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of young ladies, some of which are just now, I think, really fully realizing what this guy may have done to them. This is about as bad a story as I've ever heard. Like, when I first read this story, I needed a shower, and I needed to go get on my knees and pray to God that this kind of thing could be taken care of in our society. Thank goodness the guy is not on the streets anymore, but I don't think he should be 20, allowed to breathe. 20-year reign of terror. Uh, and, and that's why I think it's just the NCAA investigating whether this is an NCAA violation is, to me, such a ridiculous. ridiculous position for an organization. Like, on the one hand... We're going to investigate whether a guy got too many free meals at, at a school or whether Laramie Tunsil's heating bill got paid for his mom. And then on the other hand, we're going to investigate how Michigan State responded to a 20-year sexual assault scandal. Yeah, there's like a the difference NCAA- between Terrell Pryor and Larry Nassar. <laughs> Getting paid like for a, autographs for Johnny you want Manziel to talk about or Terrell above Pryor. Your pay grade. You want to talk about above Free your tattoos. pay grade. NCAA, stay in your lane. This is being taken care of well above you. Yeah, and, and I've uh, I've adjusted my opinion on this. I think the way the Penn State stuff went down, the NCAA getting involved here is beyond stupid. What about you guys out in L.A.? Yeah, where was the NCAA when they were really needed in all of this? I think that Dan Wetzel did a great job yesterday explaining – how some of this was there were some warning signs and some of it was swept under the rug and so get out of here i mean you they're there to collect money that why are they investigating right now it's ridiculous you shouldn't be investigating criminal issues all right those are serious things let's have a little bit of fun the i've been on this for a couple of years i think you guys will will uh, will agree with me on this i don't i don't pay a lot of attention to the nba regular season okay but last night, the Cavs continued to suck. Right now in the Eastern Conference, because last year I covered the Cavs sucking, and I was like, if the Cavs go on and go to the Eastern Conference Finals, then I'm not getting wrapped up 
in the Cavs sucking in the regular season again. And so I'm not necessarily getting wrapped up in that. But I will say this. Right now, Cleveland is one-half game out of fourth place in the awful Eastern Conference. Right now, if you haven't been paying any attention, Celtics in first place, Raptors in second place. The Cavs are a half game up over the Miami Heat, and they're only a game and a half and two games and a half up on the Washington Wizards and the Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat, all right? So they're not very far above, frankly, like sixth place in their conference. Everybody is talking about the NBA trade deadline, which I believe is February 8th. Am I correct in that, that the trade deadline is February 8th and what the Cavs might try to do to make their team better as they come down the stretch? Here's my question for you. Why wouldn't the Cavs trade LeBron James? Now, stop with your no-trade clause tweets. No-trade clause guy might be the dumbest person in all of sports because a no-trade clause doesn't mean you can't be traded. It means you have to agree to be traded. All right? Stupid guy out there who doesn't understand what a no-trade clause means. It doesn't mean that you can't be traded. It means that you have to agree to be traded. If you are right now in Cavs management, don't you have to consider exploring the possibility of trading LeBron James? For this reason, he's not under contract next year. He can walk and you can receive nothing in compensation. Isn't there a team out there that might give you a king's ransom, no pun intended, to add LeBron James for the rest of this year and make a run at trying to beat the Warriors even if they lose LeBron after this? I've been watching and paying attention to the NBA even though I haven't spent much time talking about it. The Cavs have a low, low, low chance of winning a title this year with their current roster. Don't you have to turn the page if you are the Cavs and admit that LeBron is not going to re-sign with you and admit that his run of championships and I think NBA Finals appearances is likely to end this year and try and go get something for LeBron James? Am I insane for believing that? Right now, the Cavs are 27-19. and 19. In their last eight games, am I correct that they're something like 1-7 and seven, and the only win they've had is by one point over the Orlando Magic? They gave up 148 points to the Thunder at home a couple of days ago. They are not a good basketball team. They are falling apart. They're going after Kevin Love, who's the proverbial whipping boy. Whenever the Cavs stink, they all get together and they're like, it's all Kevin Love's fault. Not true, but that's what happens. Why not trade or explore the possibility, at least, of trading LeBron James? And again, no trade clause guy. LeBron would have to agree. But isn't there somebody that can make a move that has a better chance to win a title that could add LeBron James for the remainder of this year? Because I don't think the Cavs have a chance to win a title. Am I insane for this opinion, Jason Martin? 
I still don't think you can trade LeBron I've been, James. By the way, I've been arguing the trade LeBron James thing. you got to be honest with them, everybody out there. This is not some uh, no, brand new scheme new. of mine. Yeah, we've, we've disagreed on this before. The Cavs but have am issues. I, are you moving more towards my direction than before when you told me I was insane for this idea? Well, LeBron's got serious issues right now. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas, that has not worked out as of yet. The Kevin Love thing is something that's out there. He's got Charles Barkley on TV last week saying the reason why he didn't win the players' vote uh, when it came down to the All-Star is because they like his personality better than LeBron. They liked Antetokounmpo's personality. LeBron is a great player and great guy, Barkley said, but he's a drama queen. Drama queen. He's passive-aggressive. Totally true. So he's got a lot of people coming at him right now, and I agree a million percent with what Charles Barkley had to say. We also have LeBron coming out and not really standing next to his coach again when he was asked about Ty Lue. So he's coming out LeBron against yet another coach. LeBron is the player coach. coach here. Look, Ty Lue has always been a figurehead, yes. right? I mean, there's no doubt. And LeBron James loves to blame other people when things are not going well. He never steps up and says very often, you know what, this is on me. There's always somebody else. There's always some social media post to put out there. Um, so are you saying you would explore trading him or not? I'm closer now than I have ever been to agreeing with you, but I don't fully agree with you. I still don't think in that town you can actually do that. But I guess at this point you would have to do your due diligence if you don't think that the Cavs are going to make it back to the finals. They're going to make it back to the finals – you got to give LeBron a chance one more time to see what it is that they can do. I don't know whether or not they're going to or not. This roster looks really broken. I don't know what they're going to try and do in free agency before the February 8th trade deadline or who they're going to try and bring in, but it doesn't look particularly tenable right now. The East has caught up to them more so than I think most people expected, and you know it's kind of a big deal because Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs are having issues, and that's getting pushed to the backside because of yet another LeBron controversy. He's been in the news probably three or four times in the last two weeks alone just with discontent and problems around the Cavaliers organization so where do you think right now I know it is January I don't even know what day it is actually uh, one of the benefits I have no 24th. idea 24th 24th where do the Cavs finish in the Eastern Conference when the regular season ends in April I mean it's not right now they're in third place they're yeah. a half game up on Miami, who's in fourth. They're a game and a half up on the Wizards, and they're two and a half games up on Indiana. Like Basically, there's not that much space that separates Cleveland from everybody else three to eight. I mean, frankly, I mean, like there's a big gap. Boston's got a big lead. Then Toronto is not far behind Boston. And then there's a big gap. There's more separation between two and three than there is between three and and uh, let me do the math here, then there is between three and nine right now in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Thomas has played, what, eight games since January the 2nd, I think is the first game that he played in the season. We don't know exactly how long it's going to take for him to become something, but we do know this. Kyrie Irving was a really bad defender who's defended a little bit better in Boston. Uh, Isaiah Thomas with all due respect to James Harden, is the worst defender in the NBA. The absolute worst. Doesn't care about it. Apparently there could be some personality problems with him in the locker room as well. You have traded a bad defender who was an amazing player in Kyrie Irving for an even worse defender that might be a chemistry problem and is trying to weave his way into a lineup at midseason. 
It's just not looking very good. I don't trust Toronto because I've seen this movie before with DeRozan and with Kyle Lowry. I think they should be better than they are by the end of the season. Right now they're playing really good basketball. Boston I really like. So I think the Cavs are probably, if I had to pick it right now, I'd say they probably still end up in second place in the East. But Boston, just like last year, with the first seed. All right. Guys in L.A., am I insane for saying you have to explore this? By the way, the Cavs do have five of their next seven at home, and the schedule's not particularly difficult. So they could run off, as typically happens, a substantial string of wins here to get back into kind of the the second place, the second place running, uh, solidify third place, whatever you want to say. But am I insane for saying you should explore the possibility of trading LeBron? Yeah, I, I still think you're insane for for thinking that um, for for a number of reasons. I I think that uh, first of all, you know, going back to Jason's argument, I, th- I think that the the city would be in an uproar if you traded him as opposed to letting him be the bad guy and leaving. Now, as far as getting something back for him and not letting him go for nothing, I I question what teams especially since LeBron has to approve the teams, what team would offer something good enough to take that hip to your reputation when they'd only be, what, renting him for a season? He's not going to agree to sign on long-term. He's going to test free agency no matter what. Because I think if you care enough about winning a championship, there might be a team out there that's willing to make a move to have LeBron for the final you know, two months of the regular season and then potentially to make a run to win a championship. Once, so, though. I mean, who would you have to give up? Like, you'd have to leverage your entire future to get LeBron James for half a season to hopefully beat the Warriors when nobody's going to beat the Warriors no matter where LeBron James goes. Well, I, I mean, that's say. that's the bigger issue for the NFL, and I mean, the NBA in general, right, is that nobody's going to beat the Warriors. <laughs> and that's why I haven't paid that much attention to the regular season. The Warriors, barring, like, two two guys on their team running into each other coming off of a curl – and like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson colliding and hitting knees and both being out for the season, like something it would take something cataclysmic like that for the Warriors to not be a prohibitive favorite to win. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at this and say I don't really see the move that LeBron can make to even matter next year either. And I think that's the challenge in the NBA in general is that there's other than the drama and all the intensity and like all the coverage and all the NBA uh, intrigue that always seems to arise. Ultimately, there it, it's like in Game of Thrones, if you knew who was going to be sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of the series, would you really care about all the drama that was leading up to a conclusion that you knew already? That's my issue with the NBA already. It's a uh, most championship pursuits are at least cliffhangers. Which team is going to win? I don't have any clue. The NBA has no cliffhanger element to it at all. You know who's going to be sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of the season. It's going to be the Warriors. And if that's going to happen, why do I care about all of the intrigue? Like right now, if you told me how Game of Thrones was going to end in Season 7, exactly what the final 10 minutes of that series would be, I don't know that I would care about the other five final episodes leading up to that. And I feel like that's where we are with the NBA season. Danny G, am I crazy or are you starting to come around with me on the idea that Cavs should consider trading LeBron? No, I I would not trade LeBron James right now. I think the bigger stalemate is that first-round draft pick that they have in their pocket, and their new general manager is in a tough spot because – they don't know exactly what LeBron's planning on doing, 
So that puts them in a bad place because what they really need to do right now is package love with that first round pick to go get a Boogie Cousins or possibly DeAndre Jordan. Those are the two names that have been floating out there. They they still need a better mix of players on that team if they want to get to the finals this season. It's a mess. All right, we're going to go into my guy, uh, John Campbell from Odd Shark. There's a lot. The, the, one of the biggest handles, obviously, of the year is the Super Bowl, but there are also a ton of prop bets. We've also got the odds on who's favored to win the Heisman Trophy. Several intriguing storylines out there from a gambling perspective. We're going to touch base with him on the flip side here and uh, should be pretty entertaining. I want to remind you as we go to break, car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Up next, it's John Campbell. That's on OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. On the backside, we're going to talk with John Campbell about the Super Bowl and the gambling universe in general. But first, Eddie, what's shaking the world of sports, my man? All right, Clay, well, let's uh, catch up, everybody, on what happened last night in the NBA with the Spurs beating the Cavaliers 114-102 to in the loss. Cleveland's LeBron James had 28 points, became the seventh player ever and the youngest player ever to reach 30,000 points in his career. But Cleveland loses again. That's... The losses of six of their last seven and 11 of their last 15 games. Lakers get by the Celtics 108-107. Boston, the top team in the Eastern Conference, has now dropped four in a row. Warriors improve their league-best record to 38-10 with a 123-112 win over the Knicks. And the Thunder get by the Nets 109-108. Russell Westbrook with a layup with three seconds to go to get the win for Oklahoma City. finished with 32 points. This support's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you'll know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, in college basketball, the game of the night, number 12, Oklahoma, beats number 5, Kansas, 85-80. Player of the year candidate, Trey Young, 26 points in the win for the Sooners. Good stuff, as always. Let me bring in my guy, uh, John Campbell. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. And start with you right here. Underdogs are 9-1 and one in the NFL playoffs so far. If you had just blindly bet the underdogs, you'd have a 90% win rate. You ever seen anything like this? No, we've never seen anything like this. Uh, sportsbooks are having a very good playoffs. It's, it's always good for them when the underdogs come in, but... This is this is the best we've ever seen in the playoffs for underdogs nine and one or eight one and one depending on on how you look at that uh, Saints Vikings game. So the only favorite to cover for people out there who are listening in the entire playoffs for sure because as you mentioned that Saints Vikings line moved and kind of fluctuated, but the only favorite to cover in the entire playoffs so far is the Patriots over the Titans. I mean that that's how crazy it's been in terms of every game being closer than certainly Vegas would have anticipated from an underdog perspective. Okay, out there right now, the line has moved. I think it's down around five now. Do you like value on the Eagles here as a five-point underdog, the Patriots a five-point favorite? Do you think the line's going to move very much? Will that underdog run continue and we finish the NFL playoffs this year at 10-1 and one for underdogs, or do you think the Patriots bite back and find a way to cover? 
Well, it, it's uh, this is the toughest Super Bowl I've had to handicap in a while, and I've called the last couple, and I loved the last couple. But this is a, a really tough one. I think the value's gone out of the Eagles right now. The, the line open at six, and uh, the Patriots minus five, I think, is the best line you're going to see if you like the Patriots. So I would take them now if you like the Patriots. I don't think it's going to drop to that four and a half because there's no way books are going to allow themselves to be middled on the number five like they were in that Viking Saints game. So I don't think we're going any lower than five. I do think the line's going to come back up. So if you like the Eagles and didn't get down early and didn't get them plus six, I think you'll want to wait. I think this line will only go back up. But I don't think it's going to go higher than six. I think they're going to want to avoid going to six and a half and having a middle on six as well. So uh, I kind of like the, the Pats. Most of the numbers are telling me Eagles, but I'm, right now I'm leaning to the Pats. Okay, so how how much of a handle do you think this game will end up with and how balanced do you think it will end up being? Because right now I think the money, like you said, is coming in on the Eagles. Do you think that's likely to continue? I think it is. I, I think it'll mostly be to the Eagles, but I think it'll be fairly split. And I think that the trouble here is there's a big betting populace in Philadelphia, New York. I mean, that is where most of the betters are in North America. So we're going to see a lot of action there, but they're also smart betters. So it's really tough to say whether they're going to blindly keep betting the Eagles or come back on the Pats who are playing in their eighth Super Bowl here. So uh, I think it's going to be somewhat split with a little more action to the Eagles. It's interesting to note that when these two teams met in the 2005 Super Bowl, uh, Books won 17%. Their hold was 17% in that game, and it was the second most money they ever won in a Super Bowl. And, and what we saw there was most of the money coming on the Pats, and the Eagles easily covered as seven-point underdogs. That wouldn't surprise me if it's a closer-than-expected game here either. I do think the action will be a little more split this time, though. Prop bets. Prop bets are a huge part of every Super Bowl, and some of them are basic, who's going to be the MVP, uh, things such as that. Others of these prop bets are more esoteric. What do you like? Where's value? How, as you kind of assess all these different available props, would you make decisions on what to bet on? Well, one of the fun ones that almost everybody includes, it gets included on, is the national anthem over under. And with Pink singing this year, it's set at two minutes. So the average over the last 12 years has been a minute and 58 seconds, but the last three have gone over. So I think a lot of bets will come in on the over, and that's why the over is favored here at minus 140. But I'm thinking this one will go under. Pink is from Philadelphia. She's not going to be a prop, uh, just a tool for prop bettors out there. I think she knows, uh, might go under, and she'll know that a lot of people will betting on that. I think for fun, I think under is worth some value here on the uh, on the over-under. Heads or tails, believe it or not, is always a super, super popular one, even though there's really no rhyme or reason to it here, and it works out to 50-50 over time. Tails is, t- is winning 27-24 right now, and Tails has come in the last four. But, uh, but that's interesting. <laughs> I'll be looking at heads. I think uh, the most we've ever seen is five in a row. Heads has gone five in a row. But uh, I'll, I'll be looking at heads. Um, what else uh, out there right now is jumping out to you about the Super Bowl? Anything else? The over-under, do you think there's a play there aggressively? Uh, and, it, and you mentioned earlier kind of waiting. 
when would you encourage people to make their bets? Are you a guy who likes to wait till the weekend of the Super Bowl? Do you like to put in your bets 10 days out like we are right now? How do you assess the market in general and the money that's going to come in? Obviously, I think the closer to the game, the more the money pours in and the more the limits get uh, get raised to allow people to bet basically as much as they want. Yeah, and I, I think it depends on, on who you like. So if you like the Pats, I would say take them right now. Uh, if you like the Eagles, I think this line's going to come back up, so I would wait closer to, game, closer to game time. In terms of the over-under, I think that typically sees more over-bets. This is a recreational betters game, and betters don't, recreational betters don't like playing the under. So I think that one will continue to go up. That told, The total opened at 47.5 and, and moved up to 48.5. So if you like the under, and the under is probably my favorite play out of, out of the normal kind of plays for this game, uh, I'm going to wait till closer to game time. I think we might even see that move up another point, and I'm going to take the under. So that's what I would do. If you're in Las Vegas, I wouldn't wait till uh, a couple hours be, uh, before Super Bowl because the lineups get so huge. So if you are going to Las Vegas, I would get it in earlier than that. Okay, uh, let's shift gears outside the NFL for a minute. You guys tweeted out something that's getting a lot of attention is the uh, the Senior Bowl is going on right now. Baker Mayfield showed up a little bit late, by the way, for all of you out there. He measured just over six foot tall, so he got over the six-foot hurdle. All the hand measurements, everything else is out. You guys have odds right now on who's going to be the first overall pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns, for the other 30 teams out there. If you want to kind of pivot your NFL attention from the Super Bowl towards the draft, Sam Darnold is the favorite right now at plus 175. Josh Rosen at plus 190. Josh Allen, who is Mel Kuyper's number one overall, uh, the quarterback out of Wyoming at plus 275. And then it's a huge jump. Baker Mayfield, 20-1. to Saquon Barkley, 10 to 1. Bradley Chubb, 25 to 1. Minka Fitzpatrick, 25 to 1. The field you can get at 12 to 1. Who do you like here for the Browns' overall number one pick? I kind of like uh, Josh Rosen there. I, I, every team seems to love Sam Darnold, but, uh, but the kind of one knock on him is his delivery. He, he sounds like a great team guy and, and uh, developed real well with USC. But Josh Rosen is one of those guys he, he, who a lot of people like him, a lot of people don't. Uh, but I think he, he wants to be a winner. I think he'll do what it takes to improve. I think he rubs some people the wrong way. But I won't be surprised. If, if he does go first, I kind of like him there because he is a really competitive guy. And I think, and I think he is a more pro ready quarterback than Sam Darnold. So the odds to win the 2018 Heisman trophy are also out. Odd shark was sharing these. I believe Bovada was the first place to put them up. Bryce love the running back is returning to Stanford. He's in the lead at seven to one. Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin who put up all everything as a true freshman numbers for Wisconsin. He's eight to one. Khalil Tate, quarterback from Arizona, who now will be playing for Kevin Sumlin, the new head coach of Arizona, at 9-1. to Tua, uh, obviously the quarterback who came in and won the second half for Alabama in the national championship as well, at 10-1. to Then you got J.K. Dobbins, Jake Fromm, Jared Stidham, Will Greer, uh, Justin Herbert, Kelly Bryant, a lot of different guys out there. There's a huge list. Who do you like? Do you like to bet Heisman trophies this early out, or do you like to wait till closer to the start of the season? Yeah, this is when you're going to get the most value. So if you are going to bet them, uh, uh, I, I like to put something down now, but I do like to, to look at the value as we get closer 
as well, and, and these change quite a bit. Um, and now Tua is is seven to one. There's four guys at the top of the list that are seven to one here. My lean is to Bryce Love uh, among those favorites, but um, but Jarrett Stidham's another guy I'm looking at sixteen to one. I, I just think he's such a solid quarterback and can really rack up yards. So uh, there's another one, Jake Fromm, uh, thirteen to one as well. So those are a couple guys. Uh, going to be really interesting Heisman. I think it's wide open, so I'll definitely be looking as these move throughout the season. John Campbell, we'll talk to you next week, Super Bowl week. Get those prop bets in. Get those bets in. Appreciate the time, my man. Thanks a lot, Clay. That's John Campbell. You can follow him. He's at Odd Shark. Check him out at Johnny Odd Shark on Twitter. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Final segment up next. It's the Woke Report. Jason Martin, what's going on on ESPN 6 p.m. Sports Center, the worst show in the history of television? We'll tell you next. You want to sh- talk, Clay, the crew? I hate you, Clay Travis! Or smack talk your team or a rival? He stinks. Or maybe you just want to say, go F yourself, Clay. Damn you, Clay! 855-500-CLAY. Sound off and record your complaint. What's the point? Hello? 855-500-2529. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Encourage you to hop in and check out the uh, poll questions. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis, and you can allow your voice to be heard in the poll questions. Um, Do you agree with the NFL's decision to ban a Super Bowl ad from an American veterans group requesting that players please stand for the national anthem. Um, I tweeted out that ad as well. You can go check it out again. I'm at Clay Travis on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, Nearly 18,000 of you have voted so far, and 89% of you disagree with the NFL's decision. Go figure. If they have an opportunity to make a good or bad decision, the NFL almost always makes the bad decision. Uh, But, It is time for the Woke Report. Now, if you're not familiar with the Woke Report, Jason Martin last week did not show up for work because a quarter inch of snow fell in Nashville, Tennessee, where we live. As a result, we conducted a jury trial of Jason Martin, my producer, to find out whether or not he had been derelict in his duties by not showing up for work. The jury verdict was unanimous. He had been he had derelicted his duty, if I can phrase it that way. And as a result, I sentenced him to a punishment. His punishment, he has to watch the 6 p.m. Sports Center with Jamel Hill and Michael Smith every day for a month. Now, I think this show is going to get canceled after the Super Bowl because its ratings have collapsed, and it might be the worst show that ESPN's ever put on. But in the meantime, Jason Martin has to watch it, and he has to report on what he sees. It's the woke report, boys and girls. Let's play the music. Oh, yeah. About this time. time to get woke. Then it goes a little something like this with J Mark. Yeah, boy. Oh, I love so that intro. That is fantastic. Actually, I do too. That is I, I well like done by Danny too. G and Vito. Credit all around the board there for the intro to the woke report. Now get yeah, woke also, with us, Jason. Yeah, I also like hearing this childish Gambino song in the background. All right, so there actually was a little bit of wokeish. All right, we got woke on the six. We got woke yesterday. Now, I would suggest maybe 30 seconds of an hour-long show because most of it was them talking about Trey Young and talking to Holly Rowe three different times 
during the hour live from the floor to try and advertise the Kansas Oklahoma game from last night. But they interviewed him three times. Yes, three separate talking head interviews they had with Holly Rowe last night. They also talked to Jay Williams and a couple of other people. Like it was basically the entire hour, except for Dave McMenamin at the uh, Cavs Spurs game. So that was basically what they did. They didn't even talk much football at all. But this is another situation. The Undefeated is a secondary website to ESPN.com, kind of a subsidiary the way Grantland and then when they acquired 538 was, and it's about minorities, and they are doing a series for the rest of this week called State of the Black Athlete. It's also the front of ESPN, the magazine this month. That's the cover. It's it's intertwined with Black Panther, which is intriguing, considering obviously the Marvel-Disney tie-in with ESPN. So, as part of this partnership with The Undefeated and ESPN The Magazine and Black Panther, today there's going to be letters from athletes that are going to pop up on TheUndefeated.com, and Michael Smith was talking about this. Then he said, tomorrow, and you're going to love this one, Clay, the Warriors and their social consciousness will be the story at The Undefeated. So we'll see if they talk more about that on today's SC6 or tomorrow. So they'll be talking about Curry and Kevin Durant and uh, Draymond Green and maybe even Steve Kerr and everybody there. And then Friday, but it's actually already up because I went to the website and saw it, Jamel Hill sat down with Maya Moore to discuss the state of the black athlete in American sports. And Michael Smith's quote was, I sure would have liked to have been a fly on the wall to have heard that, unquote. This was, again, maybe 25 seconds. They were advertising the magazine and advertising the website. I know what they were doing. But this is the closest to wokeness that we've seen, I would say, since I've taken on this responsibility slash punishment. Also, Michael Smith uh, dropped a boondocks reference last night on the show. What would you say on the woke scale yesterday's wokeness was? Well, I mean, considering the other days were total zeros. How much more woke are you feeling, basically? I... I don't know. How about a six? Oh, a six on the woke scale. Yeah, six on the woke scale. I mean, there's. I've seen these. I've seen the rants that they've done here and there on the show. You know, sporadically. Those would be tens on the woke scale. Yes, those would be. Those would be ten. So this was again. This was more an advertisement than anything else. But it because there's been nothing even remotely woke on this show, with the exception of that. I'll give it a little bit of a bump up and say it's a six. The warrior social consciousness made me want to roll my eyes so badly. I, I wanted to see the Utah Jazz like pound them into oblivion as soon as I heard it. How much do you think – what will the woke scale be when the show gets officially canceled because everybody hates it? That's interesting because – is that, is that like – is that an insult? Like will that be called racist and will that be like the ultimate anti-wokeness or will that be supreme wokeness? Like where on the wokeness scale will the cancellation of this show that everyone hates be, you think? Well, I don't know because I think it's going to depend upon who the evangelists are after the fact. It's going to depend think, on social media. Do you think that the wokeness is like the Jedi Force? Like some people are more woke naturally, or do you think like it's something that you can grab in the consciousness? Like how is wokeness compared to Jediness? Uh, wokeness is absolutely learned behavior. Yeah, it is. I don't believe it's innate at all, and I think it's learned via the hashtag, which is a virus that has been spreading. <laughs> Over the last seven to eight years in our society. How woke do you think I am? You are asleep, Clay. (laughs) You are dead asleep. (laughs) Hibernating, boys and girls. I am Clay Travis, not woke on OutKick, the coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.